Greetings. I'm Noel Deer. Welcome to today's daily devotion. I hope these next few minutes will encourage you as you seek to learn God's word and abide with Christ. Our focus today is John chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. Now, yesterday we saw Jesus's very first miracle as he turned water into wine. Today, we're going to see Jesus and his disciples heading to Jerusalem. And well, there's an extraordinary thing that happens there. Let's read verse 12. After this, he went down to Capernaum together with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they stayed there only a few days. Now, from Cana to Capernaum was about 16 miles. Capernaum would become the home base, really, of Jesus' ministry. And as you read, not only in the Gospel of John, but in the other Gospels, you see Capernaum mentioned often, that's the home base. Verse 13, the Jewish Passover was near, so Jesus went up to Jerusalem. The Bible always refers to Jerusalem as up. Jerusalem was a mountain city. It is a mountain city. And so anywhere you are in Israel, when you go to Jerusalem, you go up to Jerusalem. Now, the Passover was an annual celebration of God sparing the Jews the plague of death of the firstborn while they were slaves in Egypt. Uh, the death angel passed over their homes. But more than that, this was a celebration of God freeing the Jews from slavery in Egypt. This was the final plague, and this is what changed things. But even more than that, the Passover was a celebration that pictured what the future Messiah would come and do to bring uh, freedom over the slavery to sin. It is a picture of what Jesus did as God's sacrificial lamb on the cross. Now, John's gospel mentions at least three different Passovers, maybe a fourth, depending on how you count them. When you hear people say that Jesus' public ministry lasted three years, the source of that statement is the three Passovers mentioned in the gospel of John. We don't really know for sure uh, how long Jesus' public ministry was. Scholars make really good arguments for three years based on these three Passovers. But some scholars uh, suggest maybe four years or five years, and there are some good arguments for those times as well. Now, every adult male living near Jerusalem, he and his family attended Passover uh, in Jerusalem, and they visited the temple. And they did that every year. And many, many people from all around Israel and even beyond would come in for the Passover. So Jerusalem was a very busy place, and this was a very busy time each year during the Passover. Verse 14, in the temple, he found people selling oxen, sheep, and doves, and he also found the money changers sitting there. Now, the temple had several different courts, and so don't just picture one big giant room or one big giant area. Uh, the temple in Jesus' day, they called it Herod the Great's Temple. Uh, it had seven courts or seven areas, and likely these booths to sell animals and to change coins, uh, these were set up in the court of the Gentiles. This is where the non-Jews could come and worship. Now, why were people selling animals and changing money? 
Well, it really goes back to Deuteronomy 12, 6. Let me read that verse. You are to bring there your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tents and personal contributions, your vow offerings and freewill offerings, and your firstborn and the firstborn, I should say, of your herds and your flocks. So when people came to the Passover, they were required to bring an animal for sacrifice. Sometimes it was a lamb. Sometimes it was another animal. There were a lot of rules about that. But if a family traveled from a great distance, it was difficult to bring uh, those animals from home. So in the temple, they had a service where they sold animals. So you could just bring money, buy an animal, and then you could offer that animal as a sacrifice. Now, also, people had to pay uh, their temple tax. They had to give money at the temple. But the temple didn't accept Roman coins, which were the coinage of the day, because these Roman coins had pagan symbols on them and images of the emperors. There were temple coins. So you would have to exchange your Roman coinage for this temple coinage. And there were money changers there to help you do that. Now, some of this was necessary and helpful, but it really got out of hand. People were making the place of worship a place of profit. People were failing to treat the place of worship with proper respect and proper reverence. So Jesus is going to do something about it. Let's look at the next two verses. These are surprising verses if you don't already know the story. Verse 15 says, And making a whip out of cords, he drove everyone out of the temple with their sheep and oxen. He also poured out... Uh, the money changers' coins, and overturned the tables. Uh, Verse 16, he told those who were selling doves, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Jesus was angry. And by the way, Jesus did this same thing uh, again near the end of his ministry, and that's recorded in uh, the, uh, the other Gospels. But here, this is near the beginning of his ministry And this is what he does. Now, this is surprising, I know. How can Jesus, who is God, and God is love, how can Jesus be angry and can be this angry against these people? Well, we have to remember that anger is not the opposite of love. In fact, sometimes love demands anger. Uh, If someone you love is being hurt, you will be angry about that. When you love the honor and worship of God, and people are standing in the way of that, or they are cheapening that, then you're going to be angry. Now, I don't believe that Jesus ever lost his temper. Jesus was in control of his emotions. He didn't fly off the handle. He didn't say or do things he later regretted. He was not unreasonable. Jesus did the things that he needed to do in order to right the wrong. But Jesus was never disobedient to what we read in Ephesians 4.26. Written later, it says, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And I don't believe Jesus ever violated that. So what's the difference between godly anger and ungodly anger? Well, I'll give you just three, three, uh, three ways to tell. Number one, if it leads to sin, then it is ungodly anger. If your anger leads you to sin, it's ungodly anger. Secondly, if it leads us to being out of control or losing our temper, then it is ungodly anger. 
And then number three, if the source of our anger is something that maligns God or others, then it could be godly anger. But if we're just angry about our own self-protection, then it's likely ungodly anger. Look at verse 17. It says, And his disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Now, this is a quote from Psalm 69, 9. David, King David, first prayed this prayer in his defense of his commitment to the temple. People were criticizing him for that commitment. Now these same words are said of Jesus, who so greatly values the place of worship. Friends, thanks for watching or listening today. If you're on YouTube, please hit the like and subscribe buttons. On your favorite podcasting app, just search for Pastor Noel's Daily Devotions. I hope you have a great day as you endeavor to abide in Christ. Christ.